Listen, yesterday I came here, I was doing a funeral yesterday morning, and I, took a, I, I came here in the morning, there was snow on our mulch. I'm not happy about that. But it went away, it's sunny out there today, but you know what, just a reminder, Christmas is like two months away. Now, if you could ask for anything you wanted, I mean anything, if you could ask for good looks, if you could ask for a bigger bank account, be a different age, if you could ask for absolutely anything, what would you ask for? Well, you know what, there's a, there's a person in the Bible who was asked just that question. When Solomon became king over Israel, God said to him, he says, ask for whatever you want me to give you. Can you imagine that? The God of the universe, the God who has created all things, who spoke and into creation came everything, asks you, ask for whatever you'd like me to give you. And Solomon, who was uh, young and coming into this role as a, a king over Israel, took his role as a leader over Israel very seriously. And he asked for wisdom to lead the people in righteousness. And God granted his request. Wisdom to lead the people in righteousness. Wisdom, and God gave him great wisdom. In fact, uh, Solomon uh, in Proverbs, we see all kinds of things about wisdom. And, and Solomon, who's the, the wisest man to ever live, wrote this in Proverbs 3. He says, Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding. For she is more profitable than silver and yields better returns than gold. She's more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honor. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. Solomon, the wisest man to ever live, says, wisdom is far better than gold. It's all the gold uh, in your bank account. Uh, it's far better than uh, 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 looks or anything else. He says, you should seek this above everything. In about a thousand years after Solomon received this wisdom and penned these words, we have another biblical author, James, telling us in James 1.5, he says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault and it will be given to you. Imagine that. A question, what do you want? He will give you wisdom if that's what you're seeking. But, is that what you're seeking? Are you looking for wisdom? Too often, we value other things above true wisdom. We value money or looks or power or knowledge over and above true wisdom. And that is because we have fallen for the belief that the world's wisdom is true wisdom. But I am here to tell you that the world's wisdom is not true. It is a fake wisdom. And the only true wisdom is from the Lord. But how do we tell the world's wisdom from true wisdom? How can we know which is fake and which is real? Well, we can tell the fake from the real based on the characteristics we see and the outcomes we see of a person following after each of those wisdoms. We've been uh, studying James uh, this, this fall, and uh, we've been going through uh, James, and we're in James chapter 3, and we're going to continue on in that today, and we're going to see that James tells us about some of the different characteristics and outcomes of true wisdom versus fake wisdom. And he says, in beginning in James chapter 3, verse 13, he says this, Who is wise and understanding among you? 
Let them show it by their good life, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. But if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, do not boast about it or deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you have disorder, you find disorder in every evil practice. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure, then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, I do thank you for your word, and I pray that you'd be with us today, Lord. Help us to understand and to, to recognize true wisdom versus fake wisdom, Lord, and guide us in seeking after it in knowing that this truly is the thing that we seek out. Guide us, Lord. Give us wisdom, and I pray that you'd help us to live in it as we seek it. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, James starts out this section He's talking about wisdom much like he talked about faith in the last chapter. He's saying, just like he said, faith, listen, faith is going to be visible. Real faith is visible in the things you do. He says, wisdom is also going to be visible in how you live your life. He says, who's wise and understanding among you? Let them show it by their good deeds, by the deeds done in the humility that comes from wisdom. It's, it's going to be visible in a person's life. And then James goes on to discuss in these next several verses a wisdom that's different than uh, the wisdom he started out talking about, than the wisdom of the Lord. And similar to the, when he spoke about faith and the different kinds of faith, he now speaks about this kind of wisdom that's really no wisdom at all. It's a wisdom of the world and it's fake and it's from Satan. Verse 15, he says, Such wisdom does not come down from heaven, but is earthly. It's worldly. It's unspiritual. It's demonic. James saying, there is a so-called wisdom in this world that many people are following and believe to be wisdom, but it's not real. It's not true. Wisdom. It's fake. But here's the question. If there's this wisdom that uh, appears to some people to be wise living and it's not real, and there's a wisdom that's true, how are we going to tell the difference? How are we going to know what we're going to know by the attributes of fake wisdom that he tells us here. And he says in verse 14, he says, if you harbor bitter envy and selfish ambition in your hearts, don't boast about it or deny the truth. And he refers back to this. He says, such wisdom, such false wisdom really is saying, does not come down from heaven, but it's earthly or unspiritual demonic. So we see one of the attributes of this false wisdom is bitter envy. It means that one of the motivations that's driving someone in this fake wisdom of the, of the world is bitter envy. It's driving them to make themselves feel better and look better by having what others have. It's a discontentment with life when others have good fortune or success that you don't have. You want it only because they have it. And you think that's what's going to drive uh, and get you ahead. And sometimes it does drive you to get ahead. But when we look, you know, from the eyes of the world, saying, okay, this person's being driven to get ahead. That's wise. We, need, we all want to get ahead, but it's coming from a dark place. And this bitter envy is going to create other problems that we're going to see as we go through this message as well. There's a great example of this, I think, in, 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 uh, in the Bible. Early on in Genesis, we see the example of Cain and Abel. Cain was jealous. He had this bitter envy over Abel's offering that it was 
uh, looked at with favor and his own was not. And God spoke to him and says, if you do what is right, won't you be accepted too? But he didn't pursue what is right. He didn't pursue wisdom. Instead, he thought, well, I got to cut down someone who's got what I want. And he killed his brother, Abel. It's that bitter envy that was coming out of him. It was a motivation not just to do better, but it was causing the person to knock somebody else down. The author of Hebrews tells us about this bitterness. He says, see, see to it, no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. You see, bitter envy causes up and it creates a lot of problems, not only in a person's life, but in our, in our culture and our society as well. We're going to see more about this as we continue on, but that's one of the characteristics and attributes of a fake wisdom of the world that's being driven by this bitter envy, envy over what someone else has. But we also see that there's people acting out of a selfish ambition. The word here carries with it not only selfishness, but it's an ambition that creates rivalry and conflict. It's used of people often who enter politics back in, uh, in the day, and certainly today too, because even when we look around and we see people who enter politics today, it seems like they hardly ever want to leave office. Even if they got into politics for something good, it's like they don't want to give up that power. I got to have this. The world says, don't give power away. That's what makes you valuable. That's what makes you worth something. We have this, all of a sudden, this selfish ambition is driving us and, and causing us to uh, seek power, even if it means hurting someone else. This is the whole point, by the way, of, and we think it rational today and, and appropriate, opposition research. Find out about my opponent, and even if it's not true, but we can say it, let's, let's do that. Yeah, I mean, both sides do this all the time. You know, I hear these radio ads and all, it's like, you know, so-and-so wants to take away my whatever. Do they really want to take away, or is it just different things driving it? This is what we're trying, this is what we see in the political realm all the time, people trying to cut others down, and, and it's being driven by this selfish ambition. So these are two of the attributes, bitter envy and selfish ambition of this fake wisdom. But you know what the worst part of this is? It's the fruit of this fake wisdom. This is what's going on in a person's life, but it causes things to happen. One of them is disorder. It says, where you have envy and selfish ambition, there you find disorder. This is what we see going on in our world today. Disorder, bitter rivalries, chaos, nothing getting done, things not being done in an orderly way. This sounds like a description of Washington, D.C. or Springfield, Illinois to us. It's not, nothing's getting done, nothing's happening. Disorders are fruit of this fake wisdom of the world. And we can recognize it when we see this kind of disorder going on. But it's not just in the, it's not just in the uh, uh, political realm that we see this. It's also in our personal lives we can examine this. Does your life seem out of order? Is there chaos going on in your life? Are you trying to get ahead, but you're telling yourself, you know what, I'm looking out for number one. That guy at the office, I got to get ahead of him. Is that, is that bitter envy? Is that selfish ambition that's driving you in this? It's going to create problems. The fruit of this is going to be disorder in your life, and struggles that you're going to face. But not only that, not only creates disorder, but we also see that it produces evil. There you find disorder in every evil practice. As people follow this fake wisdom of the world, 
evil is going to abound more and more. Things that God says are wrong, the world is going to say, well, this is okay, this is right. Evil and sin are going to be pursued as long as it makes you feel better. Well, this is what this world is about, isn't it? Me advancing, me feeling better, me selfish ambition going on. Evil and sin will be pursued. I mean, we can turn turn on the news. I mean, just in the last couple of weeks, we see this evil going on. We see all the sexual harassment that is coming to light because men have pursued their own pleasure regardless of how it harms others. I don't care what it does to you. I want power, and my power is demonstrated in my control over you. We see in this world today a pursuit of sexual pleasures with partners of the same sex in our society, and it's considered perfectly acceptable, if that's okay with you. Uh, But God's word says it's wrong. Abortion on demand so as not to hinder the lifestyle of someone who doesn't want a child that's going to affect their lifestyle. Scams to cheat people out of money. We see evil going on all around us in our society. It is part of the fruit of this fake wisdom of the world that's seeking, that people are seeking to get ahead, driven by this bitter envy and this selfish ambition. Now, listen, I don't think people want necessarily evil to come, but this is what's going to happen when we pursue this fake wisdom of the world. But we can overcome these things in the power and strength of the Spirit if we seek after wisdom from heaven that is true and is from the Lord. Verse 17 begins this, but the wisdom that comes from heaven. This wisdom that Paul or James is talking about now is different. He's starting out with buts. He's like, he's contrasting what I was just talking about with this wisdom but wisdom that comes from heaven. This is true wisdom. This is from the Lord. And then he goes on and lists out the attributes of true wisdom. And he begins saying that true wisdom is first of all pure. And this word means free from defilement. True wisdom of the Lord is not going to lead you to get ahead by doing anything and everything at all. Whatever it takes to get ahead, it's not going to lead you to do that. It's going to lead you to act in accordance with God's word and his teachings. It's going to lead you to be pure, to do things that are right in his eyes. When you're living according to true wisdom, you're not going to be kept up at night regretting the actions you've taken to get ahead. It's not going to make you anxious about being found out. Man, if somebody finds out what I, what I did, I don't want that to happen. This wisdom is going to lead you to act in ways that you're not going to have to pay someone else to sign some sort of non-disclosure agreement about what you did or the way you acted. This wisdom is pure. It leads you to conduct yourself in accordance with what God has said in his word. It's pure. It goes on and says it's also peace-loving. Where the fake wisdom of the world is going to lead to disorder brought on by these bitter rivalries and competitions, true wisdom leads to peace. Now, this isn't a peace at at, at any cost. It doesn't say, well, listen, I want to keep peace in the family, so what you're doing is, I'll say it's right even though it's wrong. It doesn't, it's not saying that. This is peace-loving that's in line with purity and holiness. Peace, when we're pursuing a relationship with the Lord, when we're following after Him, He's working in our life, one of the fruits of the Spirit 
is peace. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, it goes on. But peace is being produced in us. Paul tells us in Romans, he says, as far as possible with you, live at peace with all men. Peace, when we're living in the wisdom of the Lord, will be peace-loving. We can disagree with someone and still have peace. I don't have to, I don't have to get loud or angry at somebody to say, I think you're wrong in this. I mean, this is what God's word says. We don't agree. I don't have to agree, and I certainly don't agree with everyone. Well, but let's be peaceable about it. Let's recognize that as we draw close to God, he's, one of those attributes is going to be peace. So it's pure. It's peace-loving. It goes on and tells us it's considerate. This this word could be also translated as gentle, and it is in, in some other versions too. So it's going to be gentle and considerate of other people. When you're talking with someone else, are you trying to cut them down to get ahead of them, to climb up on, on top of them? Or are you recognizing if you're disagreeing with somebody, be gentle with them, considerate of who you're speaking with, of how they are, well, what's going on in their life right now? We need to consider other people. And this is one of the things that true wisdom will lead us to. It considers others and where they're at spiritually, where they are at emotionally, as we discuss, as we, as we, as we work together. So it's going to be considerate of other people. Then it says it's going to be submissive. Now, I'm not a fan of actually this translation, uh, the NIV's translation for this particular word. Uh, other versions translated open to reason, reasonable, accommodating. And I think those are better translations because this word means being open to reason or persuasion, having a teachable spirit. There's going to be a willingness to listen to all sides of something and admit if you're wrong. You know what? You're, you're in pursuit of truth. When we're seeking God's wisdom, we're in pursuit of truth. Not your way or my way. We want to know truth. And when someone can speak with us and we're open to hearing these things, say, you know what? Maybe I'm wrong in this. We're willing to admit it. And there's, there's an aspect in where the NIV gets their translation from. There's an a- aspect of being submissive to authority or discipline that goes on. I think we need to be that as well. But I think uh, reasonable or accommodating are better translations for this. So we're, we're going to be submissive or accommodating when we're seeking after and, and one of the, the attributes of this true wisdom in our life. We also see it's going to be merciful and fruitful. It says full of mercy and good fruit. Now, I think these are tied together here uh, because I think it, it's our compassion that true wisdom leads us to have on others who maybe are struggling or un, unable to help themselves. And that compassion is going to lead us to act upon that and actually do something, be fruitful in that compassion. So I think there's, they're tied together. And I think a good example of this is the Good Samaritan. You know what? As he stumbled across uh, this man who's been beaten and abused, he had compassion on him. He was merciful to him. But he just didn't say, oh man, I feel so bad for you. <sighs> That's tough, but I gotta go. <laughs> no. He stopped. And he did something with that. That compassion and that mercy. He sacrificed his own resource. He sacrificed his own time in that. You know, this is a, this is a struggle for us. You know, when I talk about, like, helping with all God's people, you know, roasting a turkey takes a long time. It's like, oh, no, I don't, I don't want... You're, gonna, you're probably going to have to get up early in the morning to have it carved and ready to go in a, in a pan and delivered here by 11 o'clock. 
But when we see people, people that don't have maybe what we have or are in a, a hard situation and will consider, be considerate of others, can we make sacrifice to help someone else so that maybe there's an opportunity to share the good news, the gospel? I'm not saying everybody's got the same passions or same, same things going on, but we've got to be, when God's pricking our hearts in something, we've got to respond to that and live in it and make those sacrifices. God uses that in our life, and he creates this, this soil inside of us that can continue to, uh, to produce things in our, in our life for his glory and his honor. So when I go out there today, it'll be, that list will be full probably because I've guilted people. No, don't do it because you're guilty. <laughs> but if that's what God's speaking to you, you know what? Take a step. Be merciful. See that mercy and fruitful. Act in it. We also see true wisdom is going to be impartial. Uh, a few weeks ago, I talked about James uh, telling us not to play favorites. He talked about someone coming into your, into your uh, uh, gathering that's uh, wealthy versus someone who's poor, and you play favorites with the person who's wealthy. Versus the person that's poor. Say, hey, sit here at my feet while you give somebody else a good seat. James is saying, hey, that's sin. And he's saying, Today, now he's like, listen, true wisdom is going to be impartial. You're not going to play favorites. You're going to recognize people as people. You're not going to play favorites based on their wealth or based on their skin color or based on what they can do for you. You're going to see them as people. People created in the image of God. People, whether they're believers or not believers, that God has created and put his stamp, his image upon them. People, human beings are valuable solely because they have been created in the image of God. No matter what they believe, no matter what they look like, no matter how much they have, no matter what they can do for you, and we need to see them as people. People that God has created. People that God cares about. People that God sent his son to die for. We need to be impartial, not playing favorites uh, with, with people based upon external factors or things that they can do for us. It will be impartial. And finally, we see true wisdom sincere. This means it's without hypocrisy or undisguised. True wisdom is going to be genuine, authentic in your conduct. While the fake wisdom of the world says, you know what, don't show your true self to anybody. The wisdom of the Lord says, be the same person with everyone. No matter if you're up on a platform, you're speaking to someone privately, you're alone by yourself. It's going to be sincere, authentic, genuine. So these are the attributes of true wisdom. And they're very different from the attributes of this fake wisdom of the world. And not only that, but they produce different results. While the fruit of fake wisdom is disorder and evil, the fruit of true wisdom is righteousness. He says, peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. What would that look like in a person's life? What would this righteous living look like? Well, I'll tell you what it will look like. It's going to look like peace that surpasses all understanding when struggles of life come. You know, when you know, circumstances aren't working out like maybe you, you want them to or you're hoping them, you're confident in the God who's in full control of all things as you seek first his kingdom and righteousness. You trust him. And you can walk confidently knowing that he's good. It looks like not being kept awake at night by regrets or being found out 
or trying to plan schemes to get ahead and to cut someone else down. It looks like peaceful living among people, even people maybe that you don't agree with. You know what? I don't, I'm, not, I'm not in full agreement with Scott's uh, thinking, but you know what? He's real. He's authentic. Uh, I think he's a, a decent person. Those are what it's going to start to look like in our lives. Is that what your life looks like? Is that what's being produced? Or are you seeing chaos and disorder in your life? Are you covering up who you truly are and not being genuine? Maybe if that's what you're seeing, you've been following the wrong wisdom. You've been seeking the wisdom of the world, thinking it's wisdom, but it's not. Turn from the wisdom of this world. Seek after and ask for this true wisdom. Listen, I'm sure if you're, if, for the Christians here today, I'm sure you've asked for wisdom before. But it's not just asking. We ask and he gives it to us. But when he gives it to us, we have to live in it. I mean, if God gives us wisdom and says, oh, you know, we pray for wisdom, he says, well, his word says this. Well, you know what, yeah, tell me something different. I don't want to do that. You're not going to experience the true wisdom of the world because you're being led astray by the false wisdom. We've got to be asking for it, seeking it, living in it daily because daily Satan is out trying to draw you away from it. He is at work continually trying to draw you away from living for the Lord. So we've got to recognize this false wisdom of the world. We've got to be able to recognize it. The selfish ambition, the bitter envy, the production of disorder that's going on and evil that's being produced, things that are against God's word and say, listen, this is what's being produced. That's not of God. I am going to follow after the Lord. Warren Worsby has some good thoughts, I think, on, on, on living, how we live this out. He says, the Christian life is a life of sowing and reaping. And this is true of all of us. And he says that every life is sowing and reaping. And we reap just what we sow. If we're sowing bad stuff, that's what we're going to reap in our lives. If we're following after the wisdom of the world, we're going we're to see the results of this worldly living. He goes on, he says, the Christian who obeys God's wisdom sows righteousness, not sin. He sows peace, not war. The life we live enables the Lord to bring righteousness and peace into the lives of others. What we are is what we live, and what we live is what we sow. What we sow determines what we reap. If we live in God's wisdom, we sow righteousness and peace, and we reap God's blessing. If we live in man's worldly wisdom, we sow sin and war, and we reap confusion and every evil work. Listen, the world is trying to get you to take a shortcut to the good life. You know what? I don't want to wait. I want, I want it all, and I want it right now. So you need to focus on being yourself, being uh, uh, self-seeking. Get ahead at all costs. If you need to undercut someone to, to advance yourself, do it. If someone uh, has something that you don't, you need it. Take it from them if you must. I'll tell you, that wisdom of the world, those actions are going to affect what your life is look, looks like and what is produced in your life. We need to be seeking after and sowing righteousness. We need to be living life. The life we live, the life we live comes in in, in steps. God, we pray for and ask God for God's wisdom. He gives us his wisdom by his promise that he will when we seek after it. And then we live in it. We take a step. We obey 
We follow after what he tells us to do. And as we do that, we grow in wisdom. We grow in faith. We draw closer to the Lord. And we're preparing our lives so that we can reap that harvest of righteousness in our life. You know, it's a, it's a farming analogy, sowing and reaping and reaping, uh, or uh, this harvest. It's this farming analogy. And I don't care how good a farmer you, want, you are, nothing, nothing replaces good soil and a good environment. This is why we see so much farmland. We've got good soil in this area, good environment. You can't, some things you can't grow in, in bad soil, bad environments. And as we live in the wisdom that God gives us, it helps prepare the soil of our hearts. It tills it up. It, 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 it puts nutrients in there. And we live according to it. And that's when we see a harvest of righteousness. It doesn't come right away. Just like planting seed. You know, we planted it last week and there's nothing out there. It takes a while. That soil works and it grows and it produces but as we continue to follow after the Lord and live in his wisdom, God works mightily. I said, I'm going to close and I'm going to pray for wisdom. I'm going to pray for wisdom for me, pray for wisdom for you out here, and I'm going to pray for the strength of God's spirit that you would live in the wisdom he gives you, that you would follow after the things he's telling you to do. Because that's where we're going to see our hearts tilled up and that soil worked and we're going to be available to produce, to see that harvest of righteousness in our life. But it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit as we live according to him. If you're here today and you've never put your trust in Jesus Christ as Savior, you do not have the Spirit of God indwelling you. It's only when we receive Jesus that we receive his Spirit. And then we're enabled in his power to follow after the things he calls us to do. So if you're here today and you've never put your trust and hope in Jesus Christ alone for your salvation, the Bible tells us that if we confess with our mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You'll be saved, you'll receive his spirit, and you'll be enabled to follow after the things he calls you to do in his strength and his power. So I'm going to lead in a prayer of confession. I'm going to pray for wisdom for each one of us. Make this your prayer. Lord, give me wisdom and the strength to follow after you. Let's pray. We have a God who love, loves us and sent his son to die for us. And he has overcome so we can overcome. We can overcome in his wisdom, in his strength. But we need to live according to it. We need to ask for it. And as we receive it, follow it and live in it. And we will reap a harvest of righteousness for his glory and for his honor. Live in his wisdom. Seek it and live it. Have a great day. Go in peace.